Ephesians chapter 3, look what it says here. Paul, now writing to the church at Ephesus, he said these words, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by working of his power. Paul said, God gave me his power to become a minister. The ability that's working in me, he brought it to the surface that I could become the minister. To me, who am least than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. Now, I want to stop there for a second, and I want to talk to the person sitting in your chair. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Somebody shout praise the Lord in God's house, would you? Oh, you can be seated. How is that for Sunday morning worship? Hmm. God bless the USA, the only nation founded on the principles of God's Word. Matter of fact, the reason America was founded, some of you could nay say it or some could, but is to leave the tyranny and oppression of the assaults of, of having no freedom of religion. Amen? Amen. Amen. We've got a lot of Scripture as it would be, because God's Word is, is the whole of why we exist and why we do what we do. And this next week, we're going to begin a brand new series just talking about God's Word. The, the fact that there is nothing else that you and I can have victory in other than God's Word. I, I've titled today's message, this is the last of the series that we're finishing up how God is working out what he is working in. And I, wanna, I just want to ask you this morning, how many, you don't think you've arrived, you don't think you're perfect, ushers please, you don't think that, that uh, everything is going completely perfect, but yet you know you've been set free. Anybody? You know, the Word of God says, I am redeemed. I am redeemed. Can somebody say amen? amen? I am redeemed. What was no longer is. I am no longer bound by my past. This whole, this whole time, this 
series, we've been talking about the problem with yesterday. We've been talking about the fact that things don't just go away. We have to deal with them. We have to face them. And if you ever want to fix something, you have to face something. I'm planning on it this morning, Hensley. I'm going to take my time. Uh, but I, I've got to deal with it. And can I tell you something? God gave you and I the ability to deal with it. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you're at. He gave you and I something that gives us the ability to put the past in the past. To face and finally sign, seal, deliver, and close the door on yesterday. And that is called grace. Grace. Now listen to me. It's not the... And, and you, if, if you've been part of this church any length of time, or if you've heard any of our radio programs or any of our uh, little sermonettes on the radio, how many here have heard us on the radio? Anybody? Just about everybody. One of the things that I continue to talk about is the fact that in the world we live, this grace has become somehow kind of greasy. You can just basically do whatever you want to, and God's going to still just kind of wink at it. You know, the Bible does say that the time of God winking is over. Grace, I have it up here on the screen, look at it, is a special word. Now, I know we have, we have grace times in your car insurance, and what do they call it? A grace period? They, they've taken the word and they've taken it and they've turned it into something much less. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. It is unmerited favor. That's what God's word says. That's one of the definitions. It is what you don't deserve, what I don't deserve. That's one of the, dis, the, the definitions. But you know, when you read through the, the Greek in the word grace, you know, the literal underlying premise is what you find, listen, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It is God's power at operation in your life. See, that's the grace. It's a special word. Now look at this. And it can only belong to you as a child of God. Yep, amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm waiting for a few more amens. Amen. It can only belong to a son or daughter of God. I got mine. <laughs> amen. Me and Donnie, we've been people of grace, haven't we, Donnie? And God's grace, you know what it says? It is sufficient. You say, well, Pastor, you mean if I have grace, I don't need nothing else? That's good preaching right there. Now listen to me. Why do I need nothing else? Because it is everything. It is God's power at operation in your life. 
If you're a child of God, this is your message today. I'm going to wrap up this whole series on God is working out what he is working in. I don't know about you, but I've had a whole lot of garbage God had to work out of me. And how many are like me? He's still working. Okay, I want to make sure I wasn't just going to preach at me this morning. He's still working out what he's working in. You see, the world uses it, but they really do not appreciate it nor understand it. Because grace is more than just unmerited favor. It is more than, than something we don't deserve. It is God's mercy. It is God's kindness. It is that, that moment during communion before Jesus broke the bread and he looked up and he got a glimpse of the Father's eyes and the Father said, Son, through you, we're going to make a way where there was no way. Can somebody say Amen. He said, my power is going to operate through you, son. This is what a Christian needs to understand about grace. Except for the wonderful God-given grace. We might as well hang it up and go home. Eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow it's over. You know what God's grace has been described as? Indescribable. <laughs> How do you describe something that is everything to the one who will reach out and use it? It's been described as mercy that's unending. One more line that I left in your notes, literally a love without measure. 1 Timothy 1.15, let's jump into this quickly. Here is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance. How many know when a passage starts out like that, you better be paying attention to it. Paul is writing to a young man named Timothy who is going through it. He's got struggles. He's got, he's got people jumping ship. He's got this guy named uh, uh, Nero that is wanting to uh, uh, you know, burn Christians at the stake. And, and uh, you know, people are starting to say, you know, where am I living on this Christian thing? And Paul says these words. He said, Timmy, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Jesus came in to save sinners. He came into this world. And then I love the way Paul, now think about Paul, credited with two-thirds of the New Testament, penned through his hand under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Think about Paul, because today the church world wants to say, well, no, you're not sinners saved by grace. You're just saved. Forget the sin part. Well, Paul, the guy I think knows a little bit about grace, look what he says here. Whom I am. Paul said, I got a corner on this whole sinner thing. That's what I'm always amazed at at Christians that live a half Christian life. You know anybody like that? Are you anybody like that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Why is it that when we lived as sinners, we did a good job sinning? Anybody in there like me? We did a good job. We live sin all the way. Why, when we give our life to Christ, do we don't go half the way? 
Folks, I got grace on my side. I got God's power operating in my life. You see, Paul understood grace. You, here's, here is the key to understanding grace. Just remember the pit he pulled you out of. Just remember how much you needed him, how much I needed him. When I'm, when I'm praying and I'm, I'm talking to the Lord and I'm, I'm asking God for wisdom and guidance and direction, I never get away from my prayer time. I never get away from my time alone with the Lord without being exuberantly thankful because I know the other side. Look what Paul went on to say in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And now, remember I was talking about that halfway Christian? Look what else he said. He said, and his grace towards me, I took it serious. Not in vain. Matter of fact, he said, I labor more abundantly than everyone. Yet not I What's it say? But God's grace, which is with me. His power operating in me is why I could labor more abundantly. Why I could be what I wasn't. You see, what was no longer is. I'm redeemed. I said, I'm redeemed. Okay, let me say it again. Maybe you didn't hear it. I said, I'm redeemed. Can somebody get excited in God's house? Paul, Paul wanted to drive the point home. Defending the resurrection against the, the onslaught of unbelievers and the doubts, he mentions a resurrected Christ. And he said, you know who Jesus appeared to? First, after the tomb, he said, I, I, he went to find Peter. And then he goes on to say, and then he, he appeared to all 12 of the disciples. And then just to nail the coffin on the naysayers, he appeared to 500 at once. And you've heard me teach on this. Then who did he go looking for? His brother James. You see, before Calvary and the empty tomb, oh, Jim Bob Robert here, James. My brother's name is James, and I call him Jim Bob Robert. Anyway, that's what I just do. That's what I do. Anyway, James was a... I'm going to step on some politically correct toes here. He was a follower of Christ. Problem was, he was following from a distance. When Jesus resurrected, he wanted to go find his physical brother, his half-brother, James. And he probably had this conversation. He said, Jim, I know it was tough Mom always comparing you to me. Why can't you be like Jesus? 
I know. But James, I really am him. I really am your Lord and Savior. After the resurrection, I think Jim had a clear picture. But he went to James, he went to Peter, he went to the twelve, he went to hundreds of others. And then Paul says, and last, he appeared to me. This is why Paul could say, anything that I ever was, I'm not anymore. Anything I had, I count as nothing that I might win the precious grace of God. Paul knew he didn't deserve. Paul knew that he was getting a grace period. But Paul knew that it was his grace operating in him that made him what he never was to become all that he could ever be. Can somebody say amen? amen. Ephesians chapter 3. Look what it says here. Paul, now writing to the church at Ephesus, he said these words, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by working of his power. Paul said, God gave me his power to become a minister. The ability that's working in me, he brought it to the surface that I could become the minister. To me, who am least than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. Now, I want to stop there for a second, and I want to talk to the person sitting in your chair. Is it okay? Because there's times that you think you're not deserving of this grace. There's times that you think, God, I fell short just one too many times. God, you think, you, you sometimes think, God, I have, I have fallen so low, I'm not even sure I can look up. And Paul said, hey, that's already my title, least of the least. And if he can do it for me, look at somebody and say, he can do it for me. How many think that God has done it for you? According to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the working of his power. Each of us in this room Every single person in this room, we need to realize that we have gotten to that place of the least of the least. Because of our sinfulness, because of the sin that you and I still deal with, listen to me, except for the grace of God, I'd be lost. 
that power that operates in my life 24-7, 365, that's just waiting for you to turn and to yield to God's power at operation in you. Because of our sinfulness, we deserve nothing more and nothing less and nothing else than eternal separation from God. Yet, because of His grace revealed to us through His Son, we can be saved, and not just saved, but gloriously changed with Christ in our lives. Can somebody say amen? amen? See, this is why Paul could write in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look at this on the screen, look what he says here. He said to me, Paul is dealing with this thing called a thorn in the flesh. Now, you can, depending on who you want to read, uh, they will tell you it was this, that, or the other thing. Folks, you know what I believe it was? Exactly what the scripture says. A demon sent to torment him. This thorn in the flesh. Now, now, now hear me, please. Has anyone here gone through a struggle? I just took a shot in the dark. I thought I might get a couple of you raised your hand. Anybody gone through a struggle? Okay. Paul had one assigned to him. <laughs> Says that this messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me. Not buffet me. He wasn't feeding him. <laughs> buffet me. Now, we understand the reason. If you read the passage, he said to keep me humble because I was going to be given great revelations, and God wanted me to make sure that he doesn't have another Lucifer situation though he was raised up in pride and thought himself more than that he should have. So God said, my grace. Say that with me. My grace. Say that again with me. My grace. Didn't say Paul's ability. His talents, his expert. Now, folks, you read the pedigree of Paul. He, he, this guy's amazing. There is probably no more religious person in the group than Paul. But God spoke to Paul and said, say it with me. My grace. Whose grace? Is what? Sufficient for you. Stop there. Anybody gone through anything? Okay, man, we've got about 10 people raising their hand. The rest of y'all ain't never had a problem? Okay, any, okay let's try it together. Anybody here have a problem? Well, I just want to make sure that we're talking about the right stuff. I don't want to, I want to change messages. In the middle of that problem, you know who's showing up? God. Satan's already there. <laughs> My grace, God says. Mr. Shirley, you had any problems? God's grace showed up every time, didn't it? You know why? Because it never went anyplace. My grace is sufficient. 
Okay, now let me ask you something. How many in the middle of that problem blew it? Well, I'm not talking about times. I won't get, that's another part of the sermon. Okay. You blew it. I should have been strong. I should have stood. I should have overcome. You didn't. Okay, there's two more words. My strength. Say that with me. My strength. You know what the problem is with you and I? We don't need God's grace until we need God's grace. And we act like we don't need God's grace because we act like we don't need God's grace. And God says, you know when you're mess, in that mess you're in? I don't, not you, Pastor Ray, but something. Okay. We'll, we'll go. Oh, 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 this guy. Oh, this guy. Oh, this guy. <laughs> this guy. That mess you're... <laughs> you know that mess? Don't worry, David. I'll take you out of it. I'll put me smack dab. You know that mess that I got in? God says... Uh, you're kind of weak right now. You know what you're going to need? My strength. My grace. Synonymous terms, folks. My strength is made perfect in what? How many say, thank God for the grace of God? That's why Paul said, hey, I'm going to boldly rejoice in my infirmities. Because then I know God's power is operating on me. And I want to just touch this real quick. And I've shared this countless time in my three decades plus of pastoring. God never said he'd keep us from it. Well, that's what I signed up for. He's supposed to turn everything into a bed of roses. Have you ever looked under the bed of roses? There's a bunch of thorns. Bunch of thorns. He, you know, he didn't keep Daniel out of the den. He didn't keep Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fire. And he didn't take Paul's thorn in the flesh away. The next time that you struggle, all that God is doing, He's letting you see. He's not putting this on you. He's letting the see, you see that without Him, you can do nothing. But through Him, His strength is all I need. This is good preaching. I'm glad I showed up today. This is Lamentations 3, one of my favorite passages. In the scripture, my strength and my hope. My strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Jeremiah is saying, hey, I got nothing left to stand on. I have nothing left that I can, I can shore up myself on. But then look what he says here. Lord, remember my affliction, my roaming, my wormwood, my gall. My, my soul still remembers and sinks in me. He says, I know this part of my life. How many could put your name on that, that little description right there? I know. And because I know what I am, all of this sinks in me. But he said, this I call to my mind, and in this 
I have hope. It's the Lord's mercies is the reason I'm not consumed. His compassions never fail. Every morning, they're brand new. Every morning. Weeping might come for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Every morning, they're brand new. And can I tell you something? Great is God's faithfulness. Can somebody get excited in God's house? Great is His faithfulness. In Romans chapter 11, how great is God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible is it for me to understand his decisions and his ways. And it was all kind of put together in one simple scripture. John 3, verse 16. As the worship team comes. Would you read that with me, folks? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Now, I want to break this passage down, and you've seen it before. It's, it's been all over the Internet for years. But let me just break it down for you. We're talking about God's grace. You know what God's grace enabled you and I to have a relationship with God, the greatest giver. And because of that, we were able to enter in to the greatest motive. He so loved. And He loved us so much that He said, not for you only, but for the entire world, I'm going to die. The greatest giver with the greatest motive addressed the greatest need. And then you know what happened? He gave the greatest gift. See, this is all the manifestation of His grace. Not, not just any gift, but the greatest gift. You know what the gift was? His only Son. The greatest act of love, mercy, forgiveness, restoration, healing. And He said, I'm not going to make this and an exclusive thing. I'm going to make it an inclusive thing that whosoever, any whosoever's, you know? Oh, you got one sitting in your chair. There's one standing in my shoes. That whosoever. And then he made the opportunity without question. All you got to do is believe in Him. Now, now, folks, remember I talked about greasy grace? A lot of people want to be a follower. Well, I'm a follower of Jesus. What does that mean? I got friends that follow the Cardinals when they're having a good season. 
I got people I know that follow this, that, or the other thing. As long as things are going their way, what happens when it's not going your way? Well, Jesus? Who's that? Remember Peter? One of the first people Jesus responded to and went looking for? He was at Caiaphas' house. John, the beloved, got him in. And Peter said, Jesus? Well, I've heard of him. I, you know, I'm, you know, I've heard his name around. You know, he's a pretty popular guy. But the fall, no, not me. Oh, come on, they said. You, 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 you certainly, you look like a Galilean. I know. He said, no, I told you. You see, that's the picture of a follower. A lot different than a disciple. A disciple says, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in it. Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm in it. See, to believe means to trust and to cling to, to rely upon. To believe is an action word. It's not a passive word. Christianity is a lifestyle, not a pastime. He said, I sent a great opportunity. All you have to do is believe. Commit your life to me, and my grace will be sufficient in everything. See, that was the next part. If you believe, you should never perish. See, when, once you sign up for the kingdom of God and you sign, seal, deliver, make it a whole heart commitment, Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You in it? I'm in it. Paul said, your grace, God, is not in vain. Can I just get blunt? Has it been for you? And on and off and up and down and in and out. Folks, I'm not talking about making a mistake. All of us fall short. But he said, you should not perish. I promise I will deliver. I will save. What was, no longer is. You are redeemed therefore you can say with all of your heart I've got the greatest possession eternal life Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. 
From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.